Hey, what's up guys? Something a little bit different. <laughs> We're doing a pre-ramble as opposed to a post-ramble, but uh, there just needs to be a bit of context for this episode because it's a special one. This is an interview with Greg Pushado that we did for Roaring in the Pit Media that was organized through Monica. Thank you so much, Monica. Um, it was going to be a nice little interview for Roaring in the Pit that turned into a lovely, longer, way more fun interview than I would ever expect when talking to one of my biggest heroes <laughs> when it comes to music. And with Monica's permission, uh, it's now a Fuck You Tarot Lady episode as well. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't go to roaringinthepitmedia.com and look at all of the news, reviews, gig photos, all of the rad stuff that uh, we can get excited about again now that gigs are back in Australia, specifically <laughs> Victoria. Had a bit of a long drought there, but uh, things are coming good. And you can see the interview that was originally posted on roaringinthepitmedia.com and I am now reposting it. Can you repost when it's a podcast? I guess, I don't know. Recycling this podcast for Fuck You Tarot Lady now as well, which is awesome. The interview was specifically about Kill or Be Killed, but we got into some other stuff as well. <laughs> Very on brand for Rory stuff towards the end, which is excellent. And uh, I had a, a fucking fantastic time talking with Greg. What a fucking cool guy. Uh, I met Greg at uh, the first Kill or Be Killed tour uh, before Soundwave at Eureka Rebellion Trading back in, God, when was that? Like 2015 or something? Um, and I got a photo with him there and I met my heroes and I said at the time, I was like, meet your heroes because it, it paid off and Greg was such a nice guy and then he was even, fuck, he was unbelievable in this interview. <laughs> I had such a fun time and you can clearly tell when you listen. Uh, that's all for now. Uh, again, I want to thank Monica Smith and Roaring in the Pit Media for organising all of this. It's been fantastic. So enjoy, Greg Pushado. What's up, brother? Greg, how's it going? Good, man. Doing well. Oh, How about you? Uh, yeah, it's it's morning here in Australia, so just getting myself okay. together here and getting all the recording stuff ready to go. So it feels good. It's a fresh fresh start. Hopefully, maybe that's that's good, man. Maybe cool day ahead of you. you. <laughs> oh no, it's all right. I haven't been up for too long. I woke up a little late today, so I got up at like 11 a.m. So it has been. Uh, I'm still fairly early in the day. It's like 3:30. So. All right, man. Fantastic. Um, let's talk quickly about the kind of primordial soup of Killer Be Killed, which was uh, you and Max riding for 72 hours in the Arizona desert. Could you give me a bit of insight into that? Because that sounds wild. Yeah, man. So Killer Be Killed, sorry, I'm eating a cheese stick right now. It's the first time I've eaten today. I, was, I woke up and I just had coffee and I've just been doing these for like three straight hours. So sorry, excuse me if I got to go thing in me real quick. But um, Cheese stick away, man. It's all good. Yeah. we. Uh, I saw Max backstage at the Avalon in LA, which was, uh, I was there to do some guest vocals for the Deftones. And so was he, we were doing, uh, we, they asked us to come sing some stuff for a benefit show they were doing for their sadly now deceased bass player, Chi. And, uh, so we had already done a song. I had done a guest vocal on his record, uh, Omen called, uh, for Soulfly called Rise of the Fallen. And we had a really good time and it felt like there, I, there's, I talk about chemistry with people a lot and like the spontaneity of chemistry and like how that's always valuable chasing, whether it's like a personal relationship in your life or a romantic relationship or a work relationship or an artistic relationship. When you find like some kind of chemistry with someone, like you kind of have to see where that's going to go. And I, when Max and I were working on that song, we just, I could just feel it. I could just feel it with him that there was stuff that we could overturn. There were, there were more stones to overturn and, 
you know, it kind of sort of feels like when you're like, it feels like you're like brushing around in the dirt and you find like a dinosaur bone and you're like, oh shit. And you, you know, then you brush away the entire thing and you're like, holy fuck, it's a brontosaurus. You know, it's like, I feel like when you find someone <laughs> like that, that you're like, you kind of, you kind of stumble upon like a little bit of, you're like, oh fuck, I think there's a, there's something here, you know? And, uh, when we, we were kind of talking about that backstage, um, at that Deftone show. And I said to him, well, look, man, like, uh, we should, uh, we, we should do a full fucking record together. Fuck it. You know, like, I know that sounds audacious and it's a, a, giant, a lot to chew on and it's going to take some time and, but why not? You know, like, uh, it would be exciting. It doesn't need to have a lot of pressure. It won't be like a band, you know, it'll just be a one-off the way nail bomb was. And I was kind of thinking about it the way like jazz people do or hip hop people do where they, they collaborate a lot. It doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be like this big fucking thing where you're, you're thinking about it in some careerist way or as, as like your main band. It can just be this experiment. And uh, he, we were, we were both excited about it. And then like a month went by and we hadn't talked or anything like that. And I, you know, I hit him back up. I hit him up and I was like, Hey man, like uh, just to let you know, I, I wasn't fucking joking. Like I'm, I'm definitely down if you are. And he was just like, well, you know, well, cool, man. Let's, what are you doing next week? Basically. And I was like, nothing. It's like, you should come out to uh, come out to the house and let's, you know, let's let's work on shit. And so it started from like a really pure point, the way you would if you were like a kid and like just going over your buddy's house and fucking around with, you know, riffs and and uh, so I you know, I loaded up some guitars and and went drove out to his place and uh, which is cool as enough as it is. You drive through the desert and you're you're driving out to through the desert to meet up with Max Cavalera to write guitar riffs. It's, pr- it's pretty fucking cool, you know. So like. Uh, I'm 30, maybe 29 at this point, and uh, get out to his place. And we didn't use computers. We just sat. We, we used an eight track, you know, like you know the way you used to. And we sat there with this little eight track and a drum machine, same drum machine that he used for Chaos AD and shit. He's had it forever. It has, still has all the same sa- sounds. He's still got the same kick drums and snares and samples and shit that he had back then. So that was fucking cool. And so we're just sitting there thrashing, you know, with guitars in this little sweat box of a room that doesn't have air conditioning and like in in fucking phoenix and you know but the outskirts of phoenix like kind of in the desert and uh we just did that for like four you know yeah three three or four days we just woke up and then every day went out to this room and we're just like next next like just thrashing and uh ended up with like 15 demos or so maybe 16 and then those demos ended up getting whittled down into you know what became the record by like the end of 2010 we pretty much had what we knew was going to be the foundation of the first record. And we had like a, one other song that we couldn't finish that ended up, that ended up getting finished for this record. Uh, the Troy thing is what really kind of made it turn into something else. Like I was on tour with Dillinger in the end of 2010 and the, the word had already kind of gotten out that Max and I were doing stuff. We probably both talked about it by then. And so Troy, who I've known since I was like 22 from touring together, um, was like, hey man, what's going on with this thing with you and Max? And I was like, oh, you know, blah blah blah. This is what we're doing. Both going to sing. Both going to play guitar. And then he goes, who's going to play bass? And I was like, oh, I don't know. We were probably just, we were probably just going to play bass. And he goes, no, I'm I'm playing bass. It's like, oh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, well then you're going to sing too. And he's like, cool. I was like, well, fuck. All right. Uh, okay. You know, <laughs> that takes care of that. You know. And uh, he was like, yeah. Let me know next time you guys get together. I'll I'll fly out. And I was like, uh, okay. So then that happened. And then, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, that, that was sort of it, but it didn't really become a band until Ben was involved. And it's funny, you know, the Australia thing is holds a lot of, uh, 
importance to us because not only was it the first shows that we and the only shows that we've ever played was that Soundwave tour, but that was one thousand percent the point where we became a band. Like Ben went into those shows thinking that he was like a hired guy that we were just he was a he was just going to do those shows. And I think we even thought that like we were just going to play those shows and that was going to be it. Like we were it was a one off. Uh, it was a pain in the ass trying to book shows and tours because of our other schedules and we're like this is going to be it we're going to play these australian shows and that's going to be it and uh then we got down there and the way it felt all of us together you know ben was sort of the missing piece and we knew like right away the rest of us knew because max and troy and i we'd already had a relationship for a while at that point so we were like looking at each other on and off stage just being like fuck yeah man like this is something something's happening here and uh the last show that we played, the last Soundwave show that we played, we got off stage and like Ben was still kind of up on the stage, backstage, like kind of doing shit with his drums or whatever drummers do, like taking their drums apart and drawing them off and putting them away and all this other shit. And, uh, you know, Ben and I mean, Max and Troy and I were down, you know, in like the, in the back area, like in a little asphalt parking lot area. And, uh, we looked at one another really quickly without, we hadn't, we hadn't even talked about this before, but we had the same exact thought. We looked at one another and we were like, Hey, so we're going to keep doing this and we're going to ask Ben to join the band. Right. Right. That's what we're all thinking right now. And, uh, and I think it came from Troy. I think that it pretty much came from Troy and we were like, yes, that's a hundred percent what we're doing. And then he was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go get Ben, you know, so it goes and gets Ben, you know, brings him down, uh, to the backstage area. And we were you know, still sweating from the show. And we're like, Hey Ben, uh, so we want you to join the band. Are you in? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, so like that point, you're a band and there was no question to me that we were going to make another record. It, you know, so that, that was when it all really started to feel like what it is now. That's amazing. And uh, Ben seems like a fun guy as well, based on like, oh, you know, he's a cartoon. Ben's a cartoon dude. He, uh, he's fucking fun all the time. Like, he's just like, he wants to play all the time. He's down like to fucking rock all the time. Like he's, he's fun to hang out with. I mean, I think everyone, we're all, pretty fun i think i can be a little intense at times but i think you know i think all of us are uh i think we're all fun but ben is definitely like yeah he's he's a good energy man like his energy changed everything completely like it definitely made it like it 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 it, it just became a different thing like not just as a player because i mean his playing is insane and like obviously he's a fucking phenom as like a metal drummer but like he's his energy is so up you know, like people play like their energy is, man. Like, and his energy is, you know, he, he's so, he, his energy is, his personality is a lot like his playing. Man. He's just like really, really fucking up and really fast and really like, you know, it just, it just has a lot of gas in the tank, man. So oh, yeah, kind man. of blood well, and everything. He drummed on Jane Doe, which was like a huge touchstone for me in my teenage years. Insane. Which, which would have led me to like being a fan of Dillinger Escape Plan as well. So like that oh, high cool. energy, that kind of, oh, wow. Like I didn't know you could play like that. I didn't know bands were like that. You know, that was my first kind of experience. That So to, to hear that energy and now you've got that in your bands kind of exciting. He drives it a lot. You know, he drives that feeling like he's, uh, he, 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 his playing even like, it's like, man, we, we beat the life out of him on this record. And like, he never, he would track every day until, his arms and legs needed to be iced, you know, like he would just keep going and going and going and going and like stamina, like for drummers, that's one of the things that you really got to like, you got to get good shit out of them early as, or else they're a lot of times they're, they're, 
their their legs and their kicks start to lose they get weaker and their hands start to lose consistency and you can see it you know when you're looking in the computer you can see it you can see the waveform getting a little bit more erratic or like it's getting lower because they're starting to like they're starting to fucking wear down but ben is a fucking machine ben's like lombardo man like he's just a stamina machine and uh you know we were just like kind of got off on that so we were just like we spent like a long time doing drums on this record because we could you know because he was just he was just we just abused him you know we were just like we're gonna spend <laughs> you know we're gonna take a day and we're gonna spend a, a day on every single song you know and just get like get fills like there's 30 fill for every fill you hear on the record we've got 30 of them you know like for and for every part on the record that there isn't a fill we have a fill like that he could have just been playing a fill the entire time from the start of the record to the end if we put them all together because we've just got <laughs> so fucking much you know and like he never complained and never was like you know he was just excited every day he's like wants to be at the studio first he, like he's always fucking ready to be there he like it's like it's crazy man like he's got so much enthusiasm for it still it's even sadder now to hear the fact that he he broke his arm or his elbow a couple of years ago, didn't he? Oh, that dude, affect that was the... fucking scary. That was really scary because you see how much he loves drumming and how into it he is, and like it, it. I was there was a moment where like it's all he talked about for a second, like kind of like how much pain he was in from the accident and how he didn't know whether it was going to come back, and then like that was just like uh, like I couldn't even imagine it and as a singer. I was just like, fuck, man, what would happen if like I just like paralyzed the vocal cord and like didn't know for sure whether or not i was going to get it back like i would be fucking freaking out and uh so i felt for him man and i think we were all like it, you know he gave us like a real uncertain energy there for a second but he pulled out of it quick you know he he was playing drums before he was supposed to and like you know just kind of just refused to uh to to have any problem he came out of it he's fine now so it's kind of nuts Oh, that's fantastic. Now, can you, can I get a little bit of insight into the icing process? Like, was it bags of ice? Do you have ice packs? What's the, uh, you know, just like sticking your arm in a bucket of ice and like, you know, those kinds of things and like all kinds of stretching and all kinds of, you know, he's like really aware. He's really physically aware as a drummer of what he needs, you know, and, and he doesn't, uh, he treats it like, he treats it like athletes would treat a sport, you know, like he's really aware of it all. And uh, really into it all, like really into like the rehabilitation and the getting ready and the stretching and the icing and the fucking supplements and, you know, different vitamins and shit that he probably burns through more of than a normal person would burn through. And like, just like really, he's really on top of it, man. And I think you have to be like, if you're going to be playing that kind of music for, because I'm like that vocally, like I'm really obsessed with like, I'm, I take 8 million supplements a day and I know how much water I need to drink. And, you know, if it's, if I'm on tour, if I'm in the studio, I'm like, taking all kinds of crazy decongestants and things and shit that I don't take when I'm not doing that. So I feel like you, uh, as you get older, if you're doing this kind of harsh stuff that most people would tell you is going to be, if not detrimental, it's going to at least be, um, it's going to fucking be dirt. It's going to degrade you over time or corrode you over time. If you keep doing it, uh, I think the only way, way for it to not do that is you have to be, you have to start to become kind of obsessed with like the conditioning aspect of it and he definitely is man in and your own conditioning positive, yeah. you know with your kind of supplements your kind of yeah. regime like how do you figure that stuff out does that just come over time or are you looking on subreddits yeah. to figure out like what you should be taking well yeah or? i mean i'm a student of it all so like i figure out my own thing and then i you know i I've read shit and just been like you know what's good for this what's good for that you ask other people that you know you know if you know someone that's like 
you know, on an A level, it's like, I mean, I'm obviously behind the scenes now and know a lot of fucking singers that are, I've been doing this for a long time that operate at a really high level. I'm like, what's your thing? What do you do? And you try that out and see if it works and see what works for you. And you just develop like your, your thing, you know, like I know what I'm more prone to, you know, is, and what bothers me and what doesn't bother me and like what kind of foods bother me and what kind of foods don't bother me. And, uh, you know, all that kind of shit, man, the shit you don't think about that, like, you know, I went to an ear, nose, and throat doctor a few years ago, and he, you know, he, the same guy that did, like, Cornell and shit like that, and, like, he, uh, you know, stuck a fucking uh, a video camera or, you know, a camera up my nose and down my throat and looked at all my shit and had me sing and scream and all this stuff, and then, you know, he's like, okay, here's what you're dealing with, you know, here's what you should take for this, and here's what you should take for that, and you've, it looks like, you know, I can see at the bottom of your vocal cords that you've got a little bit of, uh, little bit of uh damage but it doesn't doesn't look like it's from screaming or anything like that it looks like it's from acid reflux so you're obviously dealing with it's probably happening when you're sleeping that you're totally unaware of it so you know take uh take some acid reducer before you go to bed every night and that'll probably go away and you'll probably be able to hear that in your voice after a little bit and sure enough you know so it's like little things like that that you're just like you just kind of you know over time you become like a little pharmacy of decongestants and all kinds of other vitamins and shit that you you're, you make sure you're on your game you know Dr. Greg, yeah, I like it. Why not? Uh, it's like a prof- you're a professional, you know. It's like you're some fucking monkey that picks up a microphone and just barks into it, and fucking, you know. Like, it's like you see people that are operating at a great level when they're old. It's like you look at some people and they sound fucking amazing, and you look at other people they sound like fucking dog shit. And you're like, oh, well, I don't want to. There's, I want to keep getting better. You know, I want to keep. Getting, I want to be. I want to be. I want people to be like, I don't understand how that guy keeps getting better. You're like, I don't want to be the guy that you see, and you're like, oh my god, yeah, you don't want to be Vince Neil. <laughs> Let's be real. You know, you don't want to be Vince Neil. No, no one does. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> tell me about the recording process of Reluctant Hero and how it differed to the self-titled one. I feel like during the time of recording the self-titled album, you guys would have been flat stick or you specifically, you know, Dillinger would have been at, at, like, that was at a full force at the time. You would have been really busy. Yeah. Like was the recording process uh, different to the second time around? Were you less busy? Did you have more time to think about it? Or The difference mainly was that we weren't, um, there was a lot of the, well, the main difference was that we weren't um, so protective about our roles, and we weren't so we weren't so um, hesitant to step on each other's thing. I think the first time we were more like, you know, you gotta you gotta figure out how to play nicely together, and you're like, I don't know, do I want to step on this guy's thing? Like, how do I, you know, how are we parting this out? Is this my part and this is your part? Like, is this, you know, if you've got an idea and I don't like it, do I tell you? You know, or if you got an idea and I got a different idea, do I tell you? Or do we, do we just kind of like try to? You're kind of tiptoeing around each other a little bit more, you know, the first time. And you've got your own ego, too. So you've got a little bit more ego and a little bit more hesitance to fuck with someone else's ego. And then uh, over time, you kind of develop a different relationship with yourself and with the other people. So, like, you're, we went into this a lot more open and a lot more not, you know, I'm not Greg from Dillinger and Troy's not Troy from Aston. We're just, you know, we're a different thing. And we're going to fucking see what we are without, we're going to forget about all the other shit. And we're not going to think about, you know, who we are in the other thing. We're just going to treat this like it's a new thing. And, uh, that was really freeing and really exciting. And, um, we, uh, for me as a guitar player, like I definitely approached this record a lot more intensively on the guitar end. Like it wasn't like me and Max and I are playing every second of the record. We're both playing, even if we're, even if we're playing the same part, we're both playing. And then, but then there's a lot of times where there's textural guitar parts and accompanying guitar parts and solos and things and that kind of shit wasn't as prominent on the first record so the guitar is a lot more 
multi-dimensional. And then the vocals are a lot less segregated. It's not like Troy's part than my part than Max's part. There's a lot more times where we were playing backup roles to one another. Like we're harmonizing with each other or I'm screaming in the background along with Max or we're kind of like doing a lot more textury stuff, which... Yeah, there's you know, a lot more back and forth now and it does feel like yeah. it's all finally like the oil and water have, you know, yeah. I don't know, centrifuged it's, enough that it's all mixed together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like all the ingredients are kind of making one thing now instead of it being like, here's all the obvious separate ingredients. It's like, oh, this is a, they're all coming together and making something different. And like, so that was the main thing. And uh, that just came from time and comfort with our, you know, with one another and comfort with yourself and like, you know, uh, just willingness to like, to keep getting further and further away from, uh, from protectionism of any kind, you know, like not trying to, not trying to protect your thing. We were joking around a lot on this record that we were like trying to fight to see who would be standing in the back of the photo. <laughs> that like that's kind of like a kind of like a metaphor for like you know because at first you're like I'm gonna be at the front you know like you're you're, uh, you're kind of bringing your fucking thing to the table and you're like this is my part and this is my part and then I think on this we kind of got really got off on the idea of like the not having to be the main like you can feel good about your contribution just being like I'm just gonna jump in and sing a little harmony on Troy's thing real quick or I'm gonna play a little guitar thing in the background and that's that's enough for for me to feel feel fulfilled you know I don't need to feel like i gotta be the guy you know in the, in the front like and i think we all really really got a lot out of that approach and like it we were just kind of fanning out on one another the whole time like it wasn't it's like troy did something awesome we were like in the control room while he was singing just being like fuck yeah man it wasn't like you know they were just we were just constantly like fanning out on each other's thing and uh that, that made the record seem really fun like it's our, even though it's like a heavy record and like there's times it's like you know aggressive and shit like it's still it never it always feels fun to me like and that's we and not in like a way that makes it like a non-serious piece of music like i it just it there was something really free and fun about the whole process this time and i think that bled into the uh that bled into the recording do you think that some of that fun could have come around it being a project that was in secret? Like, cause this just kind of popped yes. out of nowhere. So do you think there was also that freedom of like, Oh, well, no one knows we could just scrap this if it sucks. You know, was there a yeah. part of that in your mind? Yeah. I hate that. I hate the people. I hate telegraphing what I'm doing next, man. Like I've, I've got so much shit cooking right now that I'll, I just won't tell anybody. Like I won't be why, you know what I mean? Like, what's the point? Just get done the thing. And then if it's worthwhile, do it like i don't understand it's not no over in a long enough timeline you fucking giving people an endless hand job isn't going to make it's not going to make it any better you know like you're not going to just telling people for years and years working on this thing working on this thing get, get, but you guys can't guess what i'm doing today like get, you know showing them a picture of a guitar or a picture of some amps and it's like so, <laughs> so the people can go oh what are you doing like, and who cares dude just fucking if the thing's good the thing's good you know like you could fucking fluff people for years and the thing fucking if the thing's a turd it's not going to matter you know so it's like and, and it makes you feel all kinds of pressure because you're like oh cool we told people five years ago we were working on this thing we're still not done you know that's like it, it, it you know i would rather just yeah just let it be something that and the flip side of that is that you end up really like valuing it more when you're doing it in secret because yeah, you're kind of like it's like this treasure that no one knows that you're fucking it, it, it changes the way that you think about it it really does like as someone who has done both where i've you know there's things that people have known that i was doing for a long time or like people are expecting a dillinger record to happen every two or three years when we were an active band but like when you have something that no one knows that you're cooking it like it takes on a different thing in your life a little bit it becomes like this thing that you just have with these other people like nuclear blast didn't even know we were doing it like we didn't tell really 
Yeah, we didn't tell the label. We didn't tell anybody. Like we we didn't fucking. We made like a, a pact to be like no one. We cannot tell anyone. We don't need label people in here. We don't need people asking for demos. Like we don't need fucking someone to accidentally slip up and fucking say that like Kill Be Killed is working on a new record and that just gets out. Like we just need to keep this to us. Like and you know have it be like our secret thing that uh, when it's done, it's done. You know and like. Pretty much just us and uh, Josh Wilbur, the producer, were the only people that knew that we were doing it, and uh, like that made it like, yeah, there's something, something, uh, something cool about that just for us to have it be because once it's out, it's out, it's everybody's, and like once you talk about it, it's everybody's, and then there's this whole other component to it, you know, and like you're constantly wondering whether you should be filming or whether you should be you know, getting pictures or taking pictures or should we be taking in studio things or, or rehearsing? Should we be filming this? Or it's like fucking corrupts the whole thing, you know, like mm. fucking fuck all that and just get down to business. You know, St. Angus proved that uh, putting a camera in the studio might not always be the best idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It doesn't make the thing that you're doing any better. And, and the, on the long run, the thing being good is what's going to carry it. You know, it's like, I don't need, I, I don't think there's a single fucking snippet of the recording of Appetite for Destruction, you know, or the recording of Master of Puppets. And like, it doesn't make a fucking shred of difference, man. Like those records are, they, they did what they did because of what them being good, you know, not because of endless marketing cycle. Like people have this weird fear today with all the social media shit. They're afraid that if you stop talking to them, that they're going to fucking forget about you. Like your audience is going to forget about you. No, they're not. They're not gonna forget about you if you fucking don't suck. If you keep being good, be like if you do good shit, they won't forget. You know, like you can. That's that's a lie. That's a lie that people have been like beaten in. That's been beaten in you. That you got to get content. You got to engage your audience. And like it's important to engage your audience. No, it's not. No, it's not. I don't give a fuck what Daniel Day Lewis is doing right now. I don't give a fuck what fucking Quentin Tarantino is doing. I don't need to see Quentin Tarantino go to Burger King. I don't fucking care. You know what I mean? I don't need ninety thousand updates. While fucking Quentin Tarantino is making the next Quentin Tarantino movie, just put the movie out, and it's going to be fucking good. And if you keep making good movies, I'll keep paying attention to them. That's fucking it. That's it. Yeah. Wow. That's it's it's a refreshing take on a world that's become dominated by social media. And like you said, it well, become it's it's getting louder and louder that you need. Well, to. for me, you're doing the opposite. It's actually really destructive because you're training your audience to view you in trivial as a triviality you're training your audience to be in trivial terms so it's like if every day of your life you tell people that you're fucking brushing your teeth and you're getting gas and going to burger king and fucking hanging out and you're at a concert and you're doing a thing i just bought this coat check out my haircut whatever the fuck you're telling people on a day-to-day -day basis then when you do try to tell them something well the behind the between the lines of that is that you're fucking sad and desperate and you need validation and you can't fucking go a minute of your life without thinking of it as content you know because you're so fucking you know empty and vapid inside that you you need all these people that you don't know in real life to fucking clap at your haircut or something like you fucking, or, you know, just to get all excited that like you have a guitar in your hands. It's like fucking that's what I'm seeing when I see that is behind is, is really the subtext to that is that you're a sad, lonely fucking person that needs a lot of validation in your life. And the second subtext to that is that you can't possibly be doing anything that's good enough to hold weight without you needing to fucking sell it to me 8 million times. It's like, I don't need if if I really something's good I'll find out about it. I don't need you to come knock on my door and tell me tell me about it. Like fucking I'll just find out about it, you know? And uh you know, so for me it's like if you tell someone every day what you're doing and then you finally have something to say to them and you try to say, "Hey, listen to my song." It's like you've already trained me 
to fucking know that every time you open your mouth, you're saying something trivial to me. So now I associate you with pictures of French fries and your haircut and some fucking picture of yourself that you found online from four years ago that you, because you search your own hashtag, whatever other pathetic thing that you're doing. Like, you know, it's like, so now when you tell me about this new thing that you've worked, you're working on, or, or you've been telling me about the thing that you're working on for the last three fucking years so much that I know that like, I don't even care anymore. It's like, dude, just give me the goddamn song already. And then you give me the song and you've already beaten into me that it doesn't matter what you say because you, every fucking day you tell me something every fucking day you knock on my door and you, and you, Hey, look at my haircut. Look at my fucking food. Look at this picture I found of myself from five years ago. It's like, cool, dude. You're the guy that shows up at my house and tells me something fucking stupid every day. So then finally you're going to show up at my house with something to actually say and you want me to take it seriously? Fuck off. Like, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry to go on a fucking tangent here. Uh, out of nowhere. But I'm, I, I obviously feel pretty strongly about this. Hey, and people, are fucking, so, people are fucking stupid. They fucking do this to their own detriment because they believe that content matters. Fuck content, dude. Content doesn't matter. Substance matters. That's what matters, dude. Substance, not fucking content, dude. Like you don't need to fucking put out white noise. No one needs to hear white noise. Life is exhausting. You have to hear shit all the fucking time. You know what I mean? People talking, music, shows, TV, news, all the fucking time, dude. Like, fuck, just fucking let me know when you have something to say. Don't let me know when you want to be heard. You needing to be heard isn't valuable. The only thing that's valuable is you having something to say. So if you don't have something to fucking say, shut the fuck up. Sorry. No and need rant. to apologize. <laughs> uh, well, I've been, we've, we're here in Melbourne, Australia, where we've been locked down for the last six months in our homes and not really been able to do much else. So other than staring into the void of like social media or things like that, you do start to kind of see through the matrix a little bit where you're like, all right, who's cla- like trying to really push? Who isn't? Who's kind of gone yeah. quiet? Who's actually saying something of value? Like it's it's. I think it's a lot easier when you – don't have the cacophony of noise of the outside yeah. world to really start to see, oh, yeah. Fuck, I, agree. It's- I think this whole thing has been a really great societal reset. I feel like it's been a, like you can't take stock. Like everyone's everyone was so distracted with life. They were so distracted with 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 all the shit that was flying at them that, you know, I feel like uh, and everyone was just, you know, most people were just at this fucking peak of dopamine exhaustion and like noise and 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 excess and fluff and you know they got caught sleeping at the wheel like this this whole thing like the trump thing the coronavirus thing like all this shit has been like oh like when you're driving the car and you fall asleep at the wheel and you hit the warning track and, you know it's like and then you wake up you're like, oh fuck you know this is the kind of like the full societal version of that where we all had to sit still sit inside and you can when you start to find your equilibrium and you're not freaking out anymore because you can't go out like you start to be like, oh, like I can hear things a little bit better and I can see what's going on around me a little bit clearer and I can tell what people's motives are and I can tell the difference between substance and content and I can tell the difference between art and entertainment and I can, you know, tell the difference between, who, difference between who's trying to tell me something that's of value and who's trying to bullshit me. And like, you got to sit still sometimes for all that to become apparent, you know? Oh, completely. It feels like this has given us time to put the glasses on like the they live glasses and just start to see a little bit of the kind of eroding of our society. A little yeah. Bit. Yeah, dude, we're on the fucking, we're at the time where you have to like, we really have to make a decision. It's like, are we going to be a failed species? And like, or, or, or are we going to make it to the other side and we can become, you know, space aliens? Like we're going to have to make that call like right now. Like it's not, we don't have time anymore. It's like we don't, we don't have 
time for this. And I feel like, you know, we got, like I said, we got caught sleeping at the wheel because there's so much entertainment and the speed of entertainment was, which is essentially distraction was so fucking fast and relentless. And, you know, on paper, things looked pretty good. Like, especially over here, it's like, oh yeah, there's a black guy, as president, gay people are getting married, weed's starting to get legal everywhere. Things are pretty fucking chill. It's like, no, they're not chill at all, dude. There's this other shit happening. And then bam, you get caught sleeping at the wheel and suddenly fucking, you know, you're like, oh my God, you know, this guy's president and like all this shit's going you know, we're on the brink of possible dictatorship and 8 million people, you know, there's all these racists everywhere and there's tons of police brutality and there's a fucking plague, you know, a virus, you know, virus sweeping the world and oh shit, Kim Kardashian, the Kardashian show is the biggest show in the world. What the fuck are we doing? What's happening? Like, how did we get to this point? You know, like everyone's obsessed with likes and Instagram and numbers and fucking you know, just like, Jesus fucking Christ, man. Like we, we got to uh, such a, got so off track, you know, as the fucking as a species and like didn't even realize we were there. I think we didn't even realize it in, until like this last year, but I do feel like this is like a pivot point. And I feel like generation Z is, is, uh, is, is kind of coming of age and like a, where they just saw this happen right in front of them. Like they saw the train wreck in a way that I think is, 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 um, healthy and like for productive, you know, for that, like they'll be able to help steer, shit into a different direction because they were they were they existed when the fucking car went off train off track you know yeah completely i was gonna ask if you had any advice to give any younger musicians coming up in the scene now in this very different kind of post 2020 world is that kind of your advice is to stop focusing on social media get it done yeah who cares don't even think about it i think the fucking it boils down to i think you need to be militantly protective of your thing and you need to be aggressive about that discovering and and the thing that you then need to protect you need to be militant about protecting your thing but you have to be really aggressive about finding your thing and by thing i mean like your your individuality and your voice and what you have to say and what you have to offer and what you have to offer essentially is is your fingerprint that's your individuality it's like figure out who you are what you have to say and and then become really protective about nurturing that and keeping it from getting corrupted and don't fucking care dude likes don't matter like numbers don't matter how many followers you have don't matter it's like dude lindsey lowen's got like 15 million instagram followers no one's trying to put her in a fucking movie because she can't act because she sucks you know what i mean it's like she's a fucking celebrity like so who cares this is not valuable it's not fucking valuable and it's like you know you're not going to get any better you're not going to it's not going to make you any better to have people following you liking you and it's like like it doesn't matter man all that matters is that you find something within yourself to say and you can and you get to the point where you can quickly access that and translate that into some kind of tangible thing like like a thing of art like like i said it doesn't matter it wouldn't make any difference it wouldn't make any difference at all if fucking uh you know uh like an artist like if daniel day lewis had had instagram it wouldn't make his movies any better it wouldn't, it wouldn't change his box office. It wouldn't make any difference. You know, like no more people would go to see the Daniel Day-Lewis movie and the movie wouldn't be any better and the ratings wouldn't be any different if he had social media. So it's fucking pointless. You know what I mean? Like it, it's a, if you enjoy it and it's something that for whatever reason you find to be enjoyable, it's like fucking then do it by all means. But like you don't get, don't get all caught and hung up in it and think that it matters. It doesn't matter. You know, it's like even like numbers and shit on Spotify or how many of your plays and all that shit you have to constantly look at this quantification of your art. Like you gotta, it's, it doesn't matter. It really, really doesn't, it doesn't make any fucking difference at all. Like fucking Marilyn Manson's got like 
five million Instagram followers or something like that. Nine Inch Nails has like a few hundred thousand. It's like, uh, you, and you were you, you, you going to tell me that Marilyn Manson wouldn't trade places with Trent Reznor in a fucking heartbeat? You're tripping. So it doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> if uh, if you've got a little bit of time, I'd actually like to. Now that you mentioned Nine Inch Nails, I want to pick your brain a little bit about the band Era that you were in with Atticus Ross oh, yeah. back in the day. Could could you give us a little bit of insight how that happened, and if you guys still kind of catch up or chat now? How did that happen? Uh, Brett Gerowitz. Okay. So Brett Gerowitz was talking to Dillinger at that time. Like before we did the EP with Mike Patton, Brett Gerowitz was, uh, trying, you know, we had all kinds of, we had, we had behind the scenes, like all kinds of people like coming at us during that time. Like every label in the world was trying to figure out what we were up to. And we had all these people, you know, thinking that we were going to be like the next system of a down or slip on or something. So we had just, everyone was just kind of blowing our shit up and coming to all our shows and, you know, record people were flying in from everywhere to like, you know, try to talk to us. And, uh, we, you know, we were under contract, like we were under, we were in a three album deal with relapse. So, you know, it wasn't, they, they were kind of all just, it was all pointless, but they were all, you know, sniffing around. And the Becker, Breckerowitz was the one guy that when we were kind of talking to these people, we, we were like, Oh, this guy's cool. You know, he's a guy from a band, he started a punk band. And it's like, I think about him, like, you know, federal prisoner is like, he started, essentially epitaph to because he didn't want to fucking have to deal with other people when it came to putting out bad religion records and then you know he pretty much had an accidental hit with the offspring record and then that turned the whole thing into like a you know the, the giant thing that it is now but it, it was a vehicle of necessity and because he didn't want to have to fucking play ball with all these other these other people so like you know and as a punk musician guy who did the thing we kind of were like we, we dug his whole vibe and like he kept coming to shows and when uh when the patent EP happened, we were able to do that outside of our relapse contract. So we did the patent EP with Brett and Brett, you know, just through talking to him at that time was like, Hey man, like, uh, I know that, you know, Dylan already had Mike, um, kind of locked in to do this EP, but I want to do something with you too. Like, let's do something. I've, I've got these, uh, I got these songs that I've been working on with this guy Atticus. This is before Atticus was, you know, in Nine Inch Nails, but he was kind of affiliated, you know, behind the scenes. He was working with Trent. And uh, I think at the time they were working on the Zach Taylor Roker record that never came out that Trent was kind of, Trent and Atticus were like working on. And uh, they, he, you know, he, Brett was like, I've been doing these kind of like punk rock songs, but with like this kind of like electro industrially type tip that this guy Atticus brings to the table. We're looking for someone to sing. It's just going to be an EP. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, let's, let's fucking do it. Like, and that was pretty much it. It was like fucking, I was on that. The error thing happened before I was even on, before Mr. Sheen even came out. I, I mean, I was so fucking, I barely remember it. I was so young. I think I was 22 when we were, we, I might've been 21 when we recorded that. Uh, it was, it's a real blur. I just remember flying to LA. I'd never been to LA outside, besides being on tour where you just play like one show and then you leave. Uh, and, uh, you know, I didn't, I was young at that time. So I didn't know the amount of, you know, people that I know now, it was all still really like, well, this is crazy. I'm going out to LA and, you know, Brett Gerwitz, you know, lives in some giant fucking mansion. It's like, everything was all like, whoa, fuck, this is crazy. And, uh, you know, just doing that was, it, it was super cool. And a guy like that who had been through so much wanted to just, wanted me, I, I hadn't even been on a record at that point. Like the fact that he wanted me to sing on it just based on seeing a handful of Dillinger shows was pretty fucking cool. And, and uh, Atticus, you know, ended up being in Nine Inch Nails and Christ now they've done like, They've gotten like 4,000 Emmy Awards or Grammys or, or Oscars or whatever they do for all the soundtracks they do. But, uh, you know, so he's like a much bigger deal now and the whole thing's so much bigger. But 
at the time it was like you know no one really knew i didn't know what atticus was gonna end up doing and but yeah we've always kept in touch like i we we uh we touch bases on other from time to time i don't think it'll ever happen again i don't think we'll ever do another thing but uh but uh yeah it was cool uh, maybe you could get i wouldn't in, mind re-releasing uh... that i think about it yeah. every now and then like because i don't think it ever came out on vinyl so every, i think i talked to brett about this i think like not too long ago, maybe a couple of years ago. Time, time just gets fucking weird after a while. You think something that happened two months ago was last, or two years ago was last month, you know. But like, I do feel like there was a point. There was a second where we talked about maybe reissuing, like you know, because it only came out on CD. We talked about maybe putting pressing some vinyl for that first thing, and you know, maybe if one thing led to another, maybe doing like another song or another another couple songs. But it's like everyone's, if it happens, it happens, man. There's so much. Everyone does so much now. Like you know, back then I just had. You know, it was just, just Dillinger and like Atticus wasn't, you know, making scores for blockbuster movies. And it's like every, everyone's so much busier now. So it'd be a little tougher. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a crazy thought that, you know, when you're doing that, it's like, oh, it's just this little thing knowing now where everyone ended up, you know. And I think there's crazy. a lot of that in your career trajectory, you know, like people that I'm sure you've worked with or done little bits with. And it's like, oh, holy shit, look at this now, you know, like you're all a part Dude, it's of fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the coolest things that happened with Kill to Be Killed. Is like we sit around having these conversations. Like, fuck, man, who knew? You know, twenty when I was twenty-two, you know, I have these conversations. You know, I have it one way with Max, where I'm like, who knew? When we had this conversation backstage at the Avalon that Kill to Be Killed was going to turn into this, and then you know, I, I talk about you know Troy with Ben. I'm like, who knew? When Converge and Dillinger were you know co-headlining these. In hindsight, we thought they were the you know biggest deals in our worlds, but these little hardcore festivals and fucking you know, Pennsylvania or something like that, like, you know, it was, you know, Dillinger and Converge were always the headliner kind of around that Miss Machine, Jane Doe era. Like, and, you know, you, or, you know, you look back at Mastodon and Dillinger touring together when we were both in vans and like, we're playing like a, you know, relapse festival or something. It's like when all those things were like the biggest things in our world. But like, if I, if we looked back, they would, they, we were so much smaller. It's not even close. We were just like, everything was so much smaller than, and we had all accomplished nothing compared to what we've accomplished now. And like, but like that was, and it was 20 years ago. So it was like, there was all this kind of like, who knew that we would each be, to go on to do what we've each done. And, and then who knew that we'd even still be professional musicians individually in 20 years. And then it's like, you go back even further and then you can, you know, me and Max and Troy, I mean, I'm sorry, me and Ben and Troy can fucking all be like, imagine going back to your 13 year old self and being like, you're going to be in a band when you're 40 and that band and you're gonna you know already have been in like a bunch of other bands and you're already gonna you're, you're gonna play music for your whole life and you're gonna be successful at it and then one of the bands you're in is just you're also just the the max cavalera from sepultura is going to be in that band with you like it's just there's so many things <laughs> you know there's so many things that as time goes on just become like what the fuck like are we obviously we're obviously all you know having some kind of collective hallucination or something because this is all so stupid you know, this is also silly as you get older, like all the connections and parallels and like things that happen, the odds of them happening are fucking so remote, you know, just like everything's a trip, man. Like it's all a trip. The, the other Atticus, the, the, that, the era thing is a trip. Yeah. You go back and you're just like, I don't even think about that record. And then I go back and I look at it and I'm like, that's fucking weird. Like me and the guy who owns Epitaph and founded Bad Religion and the guy who like, you know, did the, the social network soundtrack of trying to resonate a bunch of other shit and like it's like what the fuck you know like i think it's a, it's a good thing that when you do the things that you do you're not too aware of you're not able to see the future because you would fucking 
buggy it would buggy the fuck out yeah oh and i think that it's super interesting because i think that set a bit of a, a precedent for bands like youth code now to mix that industrial yeah. sound with a punk sound that's like that seems so normal now but you guys are doing that when, when did you record that was that like 97 wasn't it or something so like i have a lot of friends in like the industrial scene in la the industrial the industrial and the electronic scene in la is like pretty or you know before all the shit went down it's pretty pretty built up and it's like it's you know probably only second to berlin as far as like how big it is and uh there's a lot of underground shit going on and kind of like all night warehouse parties and the industrial thing is big and you know I've, i had a couple times in like the last few years where i'd be talking to someone and they were just not even remotely aware of like a band like dillinger escape man or killer the killers or like that and then they would be like wait, you sang on that, you were in that error EP? And I was like, yeah, they're like, and then they would know the songs and words and shit like that. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, you're fucking joking with me. They were like, uh, I, I, just, I remember having a conversation with someone, I was like, you're literally definitely fucking with me. There's zero fucking way that you're telling me that you're a fan of error, but you didn't know who the Dillinger Escape Plan was. That's no, there's no <laughs> way, you know? But then they, but they were, because the industrial thing is its own world and it kind of has its own thing. And it only like, occasionally bleeds back and forth into metal like in times of like ministry or nan or youth code or something like that it's all starting to kind of kind of metal you know merge again now but there there's a lot of industrial scene people who do not leave that scene the same way there are metal people who don't leave metal and that, that tripped me the fuck out because i never really realized that i didn't realize because i was looking at it from a different perspective i was looking at it from like the guy in a heavy band perspective i never I didn't know anybody in the industrial scene back then. Like Atticus was like the only dude I knew who did that shit. And uh, so now, and you know, some young person that I was, I'm talking to that's been in the industrial scene his whole life tells me that like when he was 14 years old, he was all about the error EP. I'm like, really? That's wild. Like I didn't, I didn't realize that. So I didn't wasn't even aware of that scene at that point in my life. So that's pretty fucking pretty cool. Very cool. And I guess a little bit of that industrial stuff uh, bleeds into your work as well with the uh, For sure. Uh, with, you know, Black Queen and Child Soldier, Creator of God. Yeah. Like yep. uh, how, how do you implement that kind of stuff into your own music? Like how do you kind of see that? Um, I just don't put boundaries on myself as a writer and I make sure that I have tools around me to be able to pivot. Like if I hit a wall like creatively, um it's usually, you know, it's to me I'm like it's only the tool in your hand is kind of um it's it's not really that important, you know. You're important. Like the thing that's in your brain and your soul is important, and you're essentially just using the tool to translate. You know, art is an abstraction, so art is a reflection of some sort of emotion. So you're 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 trying to create something tangible out of a feeling that can't be described using technical terms. So I mean that and that's that's what art is. So whenever when everyone says like explain the song to me or what do you mean by the song, it's like that's a dumb question. It's like that's like asking a painter like. Like, what's this painting about? It's like, well, it is what it is. That, that is what it's about, you know? So for me, like, the tool is not that important. Like, if you have someone that expresses themselves artistically, you can just put whatever tool you have in front of them, and they'll make something with it. Like, if you put a, like, a bass guitar in front of David Lynch and tell him that's the only thing he's allowed to use for a year, he's going to do something with it. And uh, so for me, I've just always tried to surround myself with new things that are, feel exciting to me. And it's like, get some drum machines, get some keyboards, you know, get a program, or get, you know, just different tools, get a guitar, get a bass, get a fucking acoustic guitar, get a fucking, you know, uh, wh whatever, man, like get a fucking trumpet, like get anything, like get a typewriter, get, you know, get a, get a camera, like just get anything that you can use as a tool to translate this feeling that you have inside of you to an external object that then people can 
can can see or hear and uh so that 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 to me is really it i don't think about genre i just try to surround myself with tools that enable me to be creative and if i hit a wall you know with an electric guitar i'll pick up an acoustic guitar and if i hit a wall with that i'll play a keyboard and if i have a wall with that i'll start tinkering with this drum machine and if all of it is fucking shot then it's like all right stop thinking about it for a while and just go do other shit for the next few days of your life and like you know go for a run hang out with your friends like do some stuff where you're not you know, you're not pushing up against a wall and then come back to it when you come back to it. But I never, I'm not a, like a genre fan. Like I don't ever, I really don't know a lot about many genres. Like I don't, I'm not a historian of metal. I don't know much about it. Like I don't know much about industrial. I don't know much about electronic. I don't sit around like, I'm not a big listener. I don't listen to tons of music. Like I don't, I don't read about it. I'm not like, I'm not like music historian guy. So like I don't, and, and I'm not like an idol worshiper where I like, I hear something and then I, I think to myself, oh, I want to try to make music that sounds like this thing. Like, I don't, uh, I just pick shit up and start fucking with it. You know, just push the button, turn the knob, hit the thing, like, still come out. So if you're chasing this kind of emotional feeling with your music, what, I guess, uh, is the uh, emotional resonance that, say, Killer Be Killed has versus, uh, like, your solo stuff or Dylan John? Like, what are you trying to, what, what kind of emotion are you trying to get out of people while listening to Killer Be Killed? Well, so not other people, it's out of me, you know? So it's like, I just am like, let me pick the thing up and whatever. You know, sometimes it's not, like, Killer Be Killed is not as emotional of an outlet to me as Dillinger or the Black Queen or my solo stuff, like to me, that stuff is more like you're an indie actor, you're an indie director, you're an indie filmmaker, and you're making these things that are like deeply personal to you. And, you know, you're really tapping into a lot of raw emotion. And Killer Be Killed for me <laughs> is closer to like when I was 13, before I was like so invested in myself as an artist and before I was so into like, you know, the before I had really become aware that I expressed myself um, emotionally through art like I was just a fan of heavy music and I was just a fan I just wanted to pick up guitar and write riffs and you know write vocal melodies and write songs and so uh, you know Kill the Kill to me kind of scratches it connects to that feeling of like before I was really before everything was so heavy and before like I utilized art as like a emotional medium I just wanted rock you know I just wanted to rock and I wanted to fucking write riffs and I wanted to fucking you know I was a fan of 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 that as an act like just picking and i still am like i still like picking up guitar and just writing a riff and like it can feel it can just be like fuck yeah that can be the only emotion that comes out of it, it can just be like fuck yeah and that's totally fine you know like you can't you don't have to be and that's what i i think this band keeps me in check a little bit from you know disappearing on my own ass because like, you don't have to just be like you don't have to just be this kind of guy you don't have to just be serious artist guy you can be daniel day lewis and then also do an avengers movie every now and then you don't have to fucking just be one or the other and i think people it's just goes further into the whole like people trying to brand you thing and you believe in that you're the guy that you were yesterday it's like you can be super serious emotional make really heavy personal art guy and still make fun you know do the fun blockbuster summer movie like i fucking loved terminator 2 i loved appetite for destruction I didn't fucking, I wasn't listening to Axel because I thought he was like some sensitive poet guy. I, I liked that it was fucking badass, you know? And I wasn't watching Terminator 2 to get some deeper fucking art house meeting out of it. I, 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 it was badass. Like, so it's, it's okay to be badass still. You know, you can still do it. It doesn't have to mean you're not a, you know what, you can, you, you can be a sensitive artist guy and still do fucking Welcome to the Jungle too, you know? <laughs> this- <laughs> you don't need to pick one, dude. You don't need to be Nick Drake. Or fucking Hetfield, bro. You can try to do, but you can you can have you can have it all fucking make sense, man. And other people are the ones that are telling you that you have to fit some paradigm, you know. Like you feel like you can't pick both, or you know, you feel if you're an actor, you can only do the fucking heavy 
indie dramas because as soon as you do an Avengers movie, no one's going to take you seriously in the indie dramas anymore. It's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. It's a prison. That's a trap. It's a fucking, you know, you can, you can do it all. Do what the fuck you want. Just do what you want. That's how I feel. It's like, yeah, you could be like Marissa Tomei. She's like Spider-Man's auntie, but then she's also like, you know, she's, she's queen of the indie world still, you know, you can do both. You can do both. It's totally fine. And like, I feel like I love, I love all of it. You know, I love all of, now that I have so many different vessels, they keep each other from feeling limiting to me. Like if I only had Killer Be Killed, I would want to fucking, you know, it, it would suck. Or if I only had the Black Queen or if I only had solo material and it's like, you know, even the Dillinger Escape Plan, it's like when I only had the Dillinger Escape Plan, I had to form all these other things. It's even a band that is as parameterless as that was, was still constricting. So I feel like now I'm finally at a point where I've got kind of like every box checked a little bit. And like, you know, I'm, I could still do other collaborations and one-offs and fucking things like that in the, you know, in between the cracks of those things too. So it's like, you just fucking just be excited for all of it. You know, the only limitations are the ones that you put on yourself, you know, and that's kind of, what goes back to when you were saying advice for like young artists, it's like, just fucking find the excitement, you know, and to maintain that excitement, like maintain that excitement for like, don't tell yourself that you're the guy that you were yesterday. Be, because at some point in your life you weren't, you know, when you were a kid, you didn't know who you were. You were excited to find out who you were and you were excited to learn new things. You're excited to develop new things and meet new friends and fucking play with new people and fucking hang out with new people. And it was exciting, you know, and like you didn't calcify yet into the story that you tell yourself of who you are that then you just drag around and wake up into every day and like you put on your you costume and just walk about your day. It's like just you should just wake up every day, <laughs> wake up every day and just fucking uh you know, just be excited for the adventure, man. Like whether it's personally or artistically, creatively, and then just fucking don't think too much about it. You know, don't like, don't think about what the audience is expecting from you or wants from you or what your already conceived parameters are, whether someone is going to like the thing that you did or not like the thing that you did. It's like, there's so, so many people that like Killer Be Killed that if they heard the Black Queen, they would be like, what the fuck is this shit? You know, like, so many people that like one kind of Dillinger Escape Plan song that like they might come through the door because they heard one of our more pleasant songs and then they're just like they walk in the door and they're just like nope and they just turn right back around and walk right back out the door you know when they hear some some of that other shit so it's like but that's not my problem that's their problem you know that's that's I don't care you just do it just do what you do do it all great words of advice for young artists for sure that's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> um how much more time have we got, man? Uh, I feel like we've gone. Uh, five minutes. Oh, fantastic. Right, I've got a couple of fun questions I want to talk to you five about. Five minutes to go. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Shit. Yeah. All right. Speed round questions. Uh, what was your favorite Nintendo game as a kid? Contra. Oh, yeah. Have you have you played any games recently? Do you have time to play games in your busy schedule now? Is that something you still oh, Yeah, I play all the time. What do you play? Uh, actually no i haven't had time lately but uh i'm gonna fucking not lie and and i'm gonna fucking admit to the world that i got fucking uh super sucked up into Fortnite for a second and uh, <laughs> <laughs> super sucked up into Warzone for a second like uh but like in the middle of the night like i got you know other musician friends that have weird ass schedules and shit and like you know some of us will hop on and dude i gotta tell you so i lo i didn't play video games i was really into nintendo and uh, a Super Nintendo, like NES, and I was Super into Genesis and Super Nintendo. And then I didn't play video games from like fucking 17 to like maybe like five years ago. And like five years ago or so, randomly, I'm just like, I want to fucking check video games back out again. And uh, like got super into, there. you know, I, I got it right in the nick of time because I really love the the genre. I don't know if you're familiar. You're probably, you're into games and shit or else you wouldn't ask me that. Like, uh, 
I really like that the Metroidvania thing. Oh, the hell fun. yeah, man. I love Metroidvania. So, when I was, so I was obsessed. The last game that I was ever obsessed with when I was a kid was a game called Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And I was fucking obsessed with it. And I and I played it, I played it all the way through like 10 times. I kind of got back into video games right as the Metroidvania thing was really taking back off. And like, oh, yeah. I fucking really, I really dug Hollow Knight. Like Hollow Knight was incredible. Fuck, I can't remember those, you know, some others I got into. What about I loved like uh, Axiom Verge? Did you play Axiom Verge? Yeah, Axiom Verge was sick. Uh, the New Zelda was sick. That's not a Metroidvania, but New Zelda was sick. Uh, I loved the, the last Metal Gear Solid was cool the last of us i didn't play the last of us the second one yet but i love i like the first one a lot and then uh and then yeah i just got sucked up into this fucking Fortnite thing and uh kind of spent you know it's a quick way to fucking just like because i spent so much time writing music like i spent a lot of time working on music and behind the scenes like working on like industry shit like you know releasing my own shit takes up a ton of time and i'm so involved in every single aspect of every any every band i'm in i'm like involved with every goddamn aspect so heavily that it like takes up so much of my time that like when i'm not doing that i just need something that i can immediately get into that's fast that i don't need to spend a lot of time in you know and like those kind of games like those like fortnite kind of like called you know warzone type games are so quick that you can just fucking peel off a few of them that's why yeah i used to really like street fighter 2 and shit like that a lot too because you just peel them peel them off real quick you know you don't need to spend a lot of time on it you can get 10 minutes in who's your player in street fighter who would you go you're gonna you're gonna hate me this is such a bitch player but ken i'm a a big ken guy (laughs) but uh yeah I'll fuck a dude up. I'll fuck a dude up again. Um, I like arcades a lot too. Like the whole arcade thing happened at a good time for me. Like I was really in arcades when I was a kid, and now this whole barcade thing. Before the world shut down, the barcade thing was like pretty big everywhere, and so that's, that was that was fun for a while. So hopefully, all that'll still be there when all this ends. But uh, yeah, I like all the old shit, man. I like all the old games, Miss Pac-Man, fucking all that. I'll play Miss Pac-Man forever, dude. Um, yeah, like right now though, it's been a minute since I played like a long one. I got so burnt out. I think uh, what was the last one that I really put tons of hours in? Like I played a couple of t- dude. You know what was good? So the guy that the guy that created Symphony of the Night who left. Oh, Bloodstained. Is that what you're talking about? Dude, Bloodstained was sick. It should have gotten dude. It should have got more hype than it did. But that game fucking ripped. Uh, I was bummed when that ended. I was so into it. Did you uh, play the, the the retro classic prequel yeah. game as well? Yeah, fucking sick. Super cool. Um, <laughs> awesome. But you know what bothers me? That there's so many other killer franchises that they're just letting fucking die. Like, what are they doing? What are they doing with fucking Contra? Why do they keep fucking up Contra? Why can't they get that right? What the fuck, dude? I've been, where the, why are they just letting NBA Jam rot into the ground? Like, why are they letting fucking pump? Where's the new Mike Tyson's punch out? Where's fucking Metroid? Where's the new Metroid, dude? Like, why are they fucking around here? Like, where are these fucking games? They're just letting these franchises die. Mario Kart 8 was sick. I was really into Mario Kart 8 for a while. And again, like, you see the Fortnite thing, how they do all those games now where they just keep updating them. It's like this endless update to keep it fresh. Why aren't they taking Mario Kart 8 and just being like, oh, we're just going to, like, add a new track and add a new person and add a new court and just to keep it going, you know, so that, like, people keep playing it. I, I think they... All those kinds of things. It's like, why don't they fucking... More of those games should operate like that. Like, I only stopped playing Mario Kart 8 because they just got old. It's like, but give me something new. Be like fucking every month, just drop a new course in. Drop fucking, you know, fucking keep people hooked. Sounds like a meeting at Nintendo is on the cards for you in the future as well. Maybe you can use your pull to... Yeah. Tell the get Nintendo people to fix it up. Yeah, just give me, me like one week. I'll come in, I'll sort your shit out, tell you what you're doing wrong, and fucking 
I'll be on my way. You know, I don't need any money. Just give me, just give me a second. Yeah. But, uh, but no, what should I play? Someone told me recently that I should play, uh, I did a fucking interview with some, some moss. He told me to play some switch game called, uh, was it Hades? Is there a game called Hades? Am I tripping? Yeah, it's a it's a new one by a, a really popular indie developer that have also made a game called Bastion and a one with right, 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 right. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone said that was really good. Oh, you know what game was sick? Fucking um, Inside was was fucking incredible. That game oh, that the, was made the Limbo made. guys. Oh, God damn, that was sick. That was fucking artistically <laughs> fucking beautiful. Really cool game. Awesome um, sound design too. If I can recommend one game to you, Greg, and that, this is a big task for me to do this but i would say have you heard of a game called darkest dungeon i've seen the fucking i've seen it eight million times like on the store like every and it's always got fucking amazing reviews yeah and i just cannot wrap my brain around what it is like when i'm looking at it so it's just essentially like final fantasy turn-based four on four kind of combat while you walk okay. through these dungeons but it's all about like it's lovecraftian in its theme so everyone's kind of going oh, through cool. madness and there's a stress bar as well as a health bar. So it's like the more your people see these weird, horrible pig beasts or whatever, they start to go insane. And that creates weird quirks for the characters. So they'll like fight each other or you won't be able to like select them to pick a fight move because they're just going to make their own choice because they're gone crazy. And uh, it's kind of like this hopelessness always kind of just keeps stacking. And it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's brutal. Killer. Oh, dude, it's unreal. Like as as a experiment in like the mental effect that games can have and like you know all that stuff like it's you know you really get invested in the characters you don't want to see them die because when they die they're dead oh forever. cool dude did you play child of light yeah dude child of light was sick um man hollow knight i really dug hollow knight that took for fucking ever i think that took it out of me man that was the last game i played that really that game in metal gear solid took it out of me like i haven't had like the the uh impetus to play like a big fucking game any, anymore since then so i've kind of been stuck on these little like quick and i've been busier than fuck like these last couple of records like doing kill be killed in my record like it at the same time it's like i can't uh, you know people are like oh what have you been doing during you know last this coronavirus it's like i'm so fucking busy it's like i haven't had time to like to get involved in like a big game but i feel like i'm ready again you know i've just been kind of taking all these little bite-sized things like fortnites and call of duties or like a sports game that you can play really quickly or like a street fight or something but like i'm hey i need to i need to get i need to sink my teeth into something that's going to take some time but uh, i think i think yeah. darkest dungeon might be for you man give it a crack next time it's on special yeah i will man for sure are you gonna <laughs> grab up i was i was looking last night at midnight i got a little hair up my ass to try to grab a ps5 and i, I realized that that was fucking impossible i, I got like one minute into that before i realized that wasn't possible at all I was like oh cool all right it's gonna be like a half a year before anyone can get one of these yeah I've, i didn't pre-order so i'm just gonna wait until uh there's a little bit more to play and plus i got a backlog of ps4 games like i'm halfway through metal gear solid 5 right now man it's fucking long, it's long. dude it goes on for fucking ever i don't I, I can't there were multiple times during that game that i only fucking kept going because of how long i was into it like i was like well I'm, i might as well just keep going i'm at like whatever episode 40 you know at this point and like I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I don't know what the point is. All I know is that I'm just sniping people and riding around on a fucking horse. I have no idea what I'm doing. No idea what the point of this game is, you know. But it was fun. Like I, but I know I, I gave up not getting caught. I was like, I don't care anymore. I don't fucking care. I'm just gonna call airstrikes in on everybody constantly. I'm, gonna, I'm only gonna snipe people. Like <laughs> that's that's what the game just devolves into. You're like, I'm just sniping people. That's it. I don't care anymore. Snipe yeah. people and run around on a horse. Full Rambo, like I just had to, I had to just do that mission where you got to get the remains of the man on fire, you know, who's like on the body. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then it was like surrounded by all these dudes. I'm like, fuck it. So I just rocket launched everyone, called in airstrikes, and then just <laughs> got him out of there. Dude, like, is, hmm? is that after like you you like have to re- re- rec- re- rescue the kids or something? I can't remember a lot of it anymore. It was years ago now. Like, like you're in the jungle. Is that in the jungle part? Uh, it's when you go back to Afghanistan after the jungle. Okay. Fuck. Yeah. I got PTSD from fucking how long I played that game, man. <laughs> Dude, the best this- part is that you think it ends and it keeps going. There's like a whole, like you get to the point where you beat the big thing or whatever the big machine is or whatever. And then like, yeah. it, it just keeps going. You're like, oh my God, dude, fuck. Genuinely really cool moments in that game. Like the quiet thing is really fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, I could do without the going back to the base. That that was kind of, I was not too into that. Like I don't need to run around with goddamn base. Like it's a pain in the ass, you know? I had a <laughs> yeah, horn. but it's good for, it's good for morale, Greg. You got to like have your dude, troops, a, you know? Dude, I had a fucking giant horn growing out of my head by the end of the game. Like, I wasn't, like, fucking... I, I, I didn't do things, like, in a way that was good. I was just killing people left and right, killing all kinds... You know, I didn't fucking... Never showered or whatever you're supposed to do. So I was just, like, made out of blood and dirt. A big horn growing out of my head. Fucking, you know, I've got, like, an F. Like, every mission, I got, like, the lowest grade because I just got caught. You know, just got caught constantly. Just zero regard for trying to be trying to be cool. <laughs> that was a fun game. <laughs> Oh, uh, man. I got fully caught up in that game. Like I lost my whole life. Like I was fucking like, yeah, I would put in like seven, eight straight hours of time, you know, like, uh, like just fucking just trying to get to the, trying to get the end of it. And then, yeah, I think, it, I think it, I lost a little a part of myself forever like, or for a long time, man, for like five years, for like five fucking years, I've been unable to start anything that isn't going to end within like 10 minutes because of how traumatic it was to fucking play through that giant fucking game, you know? <laughs> oh man that's fantastic and it's a great way to end this interview thank you so much for your time craig it's been a real of joy course, to talk to you man well man i'll see you i'll see you down under when we get to the other side of this shit show for sure oh, i can't wait hey we're, we're down to zero cases in melbourne right now so hopefully we'll be able to open up those borders soon enough well you're going yeah, you're you guys are fine it's not you. you you won't accept us because we're like the leper colony of the world dude so like you're not you know we're not we're on our own the rest of the world is just looking at us like you guys just stay over there, you know. Like we're not we're not letting you barbarians in our world anymore. Like we gotta get our whole we gotta get our whole shit sorted over here. We're just dropping dead left and right. Fucking Trump president won't leave. People dying left and right. It's like fucking you guys are we're we're rapidly becoming like the the whole world is just side eyeing us like constantly at this point, you know. Like fuck, man, we gotta get we gotta get out of this. But all right, man, I keep uh, I keep missing this other guy that's trying to call me. So let me. My apologies, man. Uh, Thanks again. Uh, All right, brother. Oh, man, so good. And they say not to meet your heroes or talk to them via Skype, but goddamn, that paid off. And I (laughs) am so stoked that I got the opportunity to do this. Thanks again to Monica Smith and the whole Roaring in the Pit media team for organizing this and letting me reshare it on Fuck You Tara Lady. We will have a new episode very soon that will be back to our regular scheduled programming. But uh, goddamn, what a fun little diversion this was. Thanks again for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed it.